Father, I do thank you and praise you for this day. Lord, I am uh, grateful for the work that you have uh, done at Valley Baptist Church uh, really over the last 70 years. Um, Lord, um, we pray this day that as we pause to reflect over the last nine years, uh, Lord, that you would um, help me to sort of preach in a way that I'm not used to, sort of looking at a topic and and kind of bouncing around to a couple passages, uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us um, to understand as a local church what our purpose, what our calling is, and, and Lord, that you would encourage us, Lord, really as we uh, desire to equip the saints that are here uh, and to reach out to our, our community. Lord, we live in a world where, where so few know, know Christ and so few are open uh, to the gospel. And so, Lord, we believe that you have planted us here uh, to be a light uh, for you. And so, Lord, we need your help uh, in this task at hand. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and this sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And Father, we do thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at this passage, I, I, uh, I, I do pray that you would guide us this day, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. So this passage is really interesting. The, the, the author of Hebrews, as, as they, as he, whoever it is, we don't know who it is, as, he, as they write this great theological work, um, by the time we get to chapter 12, what has just happened in the previous chapter, um, chapter 11, it talks about faith, and, and they point to all of these Old Testament examples of, of, of saints who have gone before them, who lived their life by faith, who honored God, who, who, um, who in many cases, uh, they lived for the sake of the promise, which they never received in this life. Um, and yet their lives were an example. And as we get to chapter 12, the author then says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses... This cloud of witnesses that the author is writing about is all of these saints who have passed on um, previously. And, and he sort of, th- this, this picture is built that it's almost like this ar- arena is happening, that there's this big stadium, and that on the, the field, on the track, the race that's being run is by, by the church that is on the earth during that time. They're running the race, they're living for Christ, they're doing... Um, they're serving him and they're honoring him, fulfilling what he's called them to do. And in the stands are all of the saints who have, who have died, who have passed on. Sort of, you get this picture that in heaven, they're, they're cheering them on. And so this passage ha- has really been on my mind over the last week or so and, and sort of reflecting um, every May 20th and during this season, I get very sort of um, introspective, sort of, Ah, man, I can't believe I've been at Valley Baptist Church for nine years. Like I've now sort of clicked over like the timeline of like, wow, I've been at Valley Baptist Church, I think for longer than I was at SEAL Team 3, which is 
like a, a big deal for me, like emotion. It's like, wow, this has been a while. And, and to sort of go back and to reflect over what was going on nine years ago. And so this week I was, you know, digging through the archives of old paperwork and seeing what I could sort of, sort of muster up. And I think it started with Anna finding like, hey, here's a church directory from way back when. But that was actually the second edition because there were like 30 people there. But I stumbled across a few days ago, like the very first church directory of following our coming. It was from June of, of 2007. And it was only one piece of paper. And we didn't even have to use the whole thing. We probably could have used a half sheet of paper. Uh, on the paper, I counted 15 like souls, like not just like families, but, but souls. And, and that included me, Anna, and Grace. And, and as I went through that list of names, I've buried eight of those people. Like the, uh, the, There's been eight deaths of those people who, who were there during that time. And that, that's not to mention even Dan Cookson, who is a name that you guys probably don't remember. Uh, Dan Cookson, was a, he was a church planting coordinator that worked with me to kind of help sort of place me and, and introduce me to Valley Center, which I had no idea that this town even existed back then. Um, and so as I looked at that name, as I was sort of just like reminiscing, like, oh, man, those were like, you know, the good old days or sometimes were like hard days. It's like, you know, you go, oh, those good old days. Well, normally that means like, oh, we as a family, we were sharing one top ramen together and it was so wonderful. But it was like during the time, you're like, oh man. Um, and so two of the names on that piece of paper, George and Evie Farrington, like I get choked up just thinking about them. Uh, George was the pastor uh, from 1965, December of 1965 until October of 1974. And so that he's just shy of nine years for years. It's like, I remember saying, I'm going to get you, George. I'm going to get you. Well, I got him. Like that guy. So I've been the longest running pastor at this church. It kind of struck me like, whoa, like I, George was always like, man, he was here forever. And he, and uh, so I passed him. And I'll never forget early on when we were here and it's like, hey, uh, we'll go through this restart. We'll go real slow. We'll take it easy. And Evie, her roots, I believe are from New York. And she leaned across the table. If she could have grabbed me, she would have. Because with her eyes, she grabbed me by the collar. And she looked at me and she said, brother, we're dying. Don't go too slow. We want to see what God's going to do here. And um, it, it's the, the truth and the charge of her statement is, is still as true today as ever. Um, when I looked at the bulletin in my digging, I found the bulletin from from the week before I was to show up. I think I'd preached here once, and so I was to come up to preach, and, and they were going to make the decision whether that, they, that I would lead the church through the restart. And so I made a little copy of it here. I want to read it to you. So this is, there's the announcement part, and then there's words from uh, Wayne Yurick, who I believe that he's passed away, but he was a, like basically a 90-year-old interim pastor who was kind of here for probably about four or five months trying to help the church figure out if they were going to close down the doors or if they were going to go forward. And so this is the announcement in the bulletin. Uh, Sunday, May 20th, Gunnar Hansen will be filling the pulpit in view of a call. Following the morning service, we will have, a, have dinner on the grounds. Um, okay, I got to get the, pa the paper closer to me here. Uh, following the morning, we will have uh, dinner on the grounds, and that uh, will be followed by a very important business meeting. 
you will have the opportunity to ask any questions you might have of Gunnar and his wife. We then will consider the matter of calling him as pastor. In very bold letters, it says, please hold this matter up in prayer. And from the pastor, he writes, you can see by the announcement that May 20th should be a very important day in the life of our church. Uh, Pray, pray, and pray some more that God's will will be done. Valley Baptist Church must have a pastor who is here in the field where he can minister to the needs of the people, not just uh, to those who are members of the church, but those who have no spiritual shepherd to turn to. Having spent time last week with those outside of our church who are already to help make this possible, I'm convinced that the plans ahead could make this possible. I feel God's hand must well, may well be evident, but you as members of our church must pray that our great God wills this or it will come to nothing. Also commit yourself to do and to give your best. It is required in his name, Pastor Wayne. And so this is the, to, to kind of stumble across this bulletin that was tucked away somewhere that I don't know how to get thrown away years ago. Um, it, 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 it struck me as, as so meaningful, especially as I reflect on this. When I think of those like 14 people were, that were here, the only person, like, where's Alberto? There's Alberto and Irma. Can you guys just kind of stand up real quick? Just, well, maybe just lift your hands up. She looked at me like, you don't have to stand up. So, so Alberto and Irma were the only two people that were there during that time. And, and um, you guys can sit down. And the thing that struck me that, like, this week in looking at it is they, along with many of these other people who have passed on, um, they were praying for me, and they were praying for you, and they, were, they, they wanted nothing more than for this church to stay alive. Like, it was literally in the process of, of, of being closed down. And, and, and so um, when I think of their heart of, of being willing to like, do whatever they had to do to keep this church alive, I, I know I hear, always hear Alberta saying, you know, I just knew that God wanted us to be a little light on the hill to our community. And, and, and Evie... And George say, whatever we have to do, don't, don't not do something because you're afraid of that will not be used to change. Like, do whatever you have to do to reach this community. And so when I, so when I think of that, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, these, these eight souls that were there kind of cheered me on. And then one by one, they've all gone home to the Lord. Um, it, it, I have their sort of... Um, Ghost is not the right word, but their 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 memory, their presence, that that they're kind of cheering us on to, to stay the course, to stay faithful. Um, when I looked at the uh, when I stumbled across the list of pastors, one of the things that I'm number twenty. I don't know if I want to be like you know George Bush is known as like number forty one. I don't know if I want to start going by hey guys, just start referring to me as number twenty, like that I like you know something. But when I looked at the list of them. I noticed that like George was, he was a huge like section of time. Most of the other guys survived here. Some, some of them six months, some of them like a long running one would be like two or three years. And it sort of reminded me of the, um, like I believe that in general Valley Center is very hard soil. In the last nine years that I've been here, I've seen people come and I've seen people move out of the town. It just it, it, it it's kind of can be a difficult place to live just in general. Um, and I also think it was a reminder of, 
of that churches can be very unhealthy and they can do a lot of damage and a lot of pastors don't have like the stomach to sort of to work through things. And so I'm very grateful for my time here. I'm very grateful that I like, I actually love our church. I love all of you. I feel like you're my family. When, um, when, when I'm on vacation and I'm in town, I come to church here because I'm a part of our body and I love to worship with all of you. Um, when we have to go worship in other places, like Valley Baptist is sort of like the measuring stick for our family. It's like, oh, my kids, like, I don't want to go to Sunday school. It's not my Sunday school. Like, I'm, all right, kids, like, you got to kind of work through these issues. Like, it's okay to kind of, like, get involved. And so when I, when I the first thing on these, uh, these anniversaries, I, I first want to examine sort of my role, my calling, what's my purpose of being here and so there, the next verse that I'd like to go to, there's a couple verses um, in Acts chapter 20. If you'll turn over to Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28. We don't have time to read the whole story. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, what's happening here is, is uh, the early church has been sort of exploding. Uh, Peter has sort of, um, the focus has left Peter and and the Jewish church, and it's now sort of the story turned on to the Apostle Paul and his life and sort of as he was nearing the end of his life. Um, so he's making his final rounds in chapter 20. And as the story unfolds, it says that he, he's in a boat. He took off um, uh, from from north of Ephesus in Greece. I know all of you guys know right where that is. And they are sailing south, and we're told that he sailed past Ephesus to Miletus. And then when they touched shore in Miletus, he had them send for all of the elders of the churches in Miletus so that he could bring his pastors down to him. And so he, he gathers these group of pastors together, and the whole scene is very emotional. I, um, by the end, they're hugging, they're crying, they understand that they're not going to see Paul again because Paul is on his way to Jerusalem he knows he's going to be executed. The story would end up in Rome, and he'd be um, his life would be taken up in Rome. That there's some we don't have all the details over how that came to be, uh, but they knew that Paul was on a mission, um, really to unite the church between Jew and Gentile. And so by the end of this sort of um, the, really this uh, this this pep talk, I imagine a coach to his players like, "Listen, I'm going to go. It's up to you. I'm passing the baton on to you." And in verse 28, he seems to be giving them, it seems to be the actual charge that he is placing upon them. And he says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so when I see this um, as a pastor, I understand that I'm an under-shepherd of Christ and, and, and there's a, an obligation, a sense of, res, of responsibility that my number one aim is, is to guard, to guide, to protect, to, um, to nourish the flock that God has trusted me with. That, that really, this is Christ's church and I've been placed in this position to sort of lead and to guide. And he says, there's going to be wolves that are going to come up. They're going to, they're going to eat within. And so you guys need to defend and protect this precious church that Christ has entrusted you with. I think that the number one task uh, uh, for doing this is by teaching the word of God. I feel very uncomfortable today sort of kind of 
picking from various verses. It's not my style. I don't like preaching topically. Um, this is why that over the course of the years, we pick one book of the Bible uh, week by week. We just go line by line and study the book of the Bible. Um, and so, but this is a little, we're having an exception. But I think that as we teach the word of God, as we study the scriptures together, what it does is it, 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 it equips you, it grounds you in, in key biblical doctrines. It, it allows God to speak to you and to minister to you through his word. We're forced to cover subjects that I would never, ever, ever, ever select. If it was up to me, I would just pick sort of happy subjects or maybe sad subjects at times. I don't know. Um, but as we go through uh, books of the Bible, we have to address issues as God has laid them out to us. He is the guide, and it's just my responsibility to accurately uh, present to you guys um, what the Word of God says. And I think that as we do this, we each, um, we're discipled by the Spirit, we grow in our faith, um, we're stretched, uh, which really is the next component of, of my calling, the gifting of of pastor teacher in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 uh, we're told very explicitly that the why does the pastor exist why did God create sort of this structure within the church and in that passage he said and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers and then there's the word for you could, you could translate it so that the purpose that he gave these various giftings, the reason is for the equipping of the saints. Now, if you're in Christ, if you've believed upon Jesus for your salvation, you are a saint. It doesn't take a few hundred years. It doesn't, like, no eschatological body or uh, needs to, like, say, put the stamp on. If you're in Christ, the Bible makes it clear, you're a saint. So, this includes you. Like, so don't say, well, I'm not a saint. I don't, have a, I don't have a little coin or something. This, if you've trusted in Christ, you're a saint. And so there are pastors that teach and there are leaders who lead and the reason is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. The word service could be translated ministry. That the, that the whole purpose is for you to, you've been given a gift. Like, if you're in Christ, we're told that you've been given at least one spiritual gift that's purpose is to, to serve and to work out in the kingdom. Now, I mentioned y'all earlier. My job is to, like, before I would use this word, I was educated by a guy from Texas earlier this week. It was fascinating to me. Before I'd say y'all, because it's second person plural, like y'all, my job is to help y'all get into work. But I was wrong. So y'all is only if there's two of you. If I want to say y'all to all of you, it's all y'alls. So that's Texas. I Like literally a guy from Texas said, if you're one addressing a group, you need to say all y'alls. If you're just two people that you're addressing, then you say y'all. And then if there's just one person, you say you. So my role is to equip all y'alls <laughs> for the purpose that God has like equipped you for. And, and the, the deal is, I don't know. Like I don't know what what God's called you to do. All I know is that my role is to my role is to help you each find what has God called you to do. And I'm super thankful that at this point, this isn't me like twisting people's arms saying, you guys, you just don't work. You're all lazy and you don't do it. Like, like I come to this point and I am so grateful 
um, f- for this body of believers. Like, there's, there's too many people to, to thank. Um, but I mean, like, literally the worship team, the, the first few weeks at Valley Baptist, probably the first six months, were, it was really rough. Like, there, there were times when I had to lead a hymn, and I don't even want to look at Alberto because he's shaking his head. It was terrible. Like, I would pick up a hymnal, and I think everybody knows Amazing Grace, so we'll sing one song today, and I'll read the first couple of words and hope that the whole, like, ten of us would, like, pick it up. And so, like, just, like, the, I'm so blessed by, like, the worship team, week in, week out, that Don and his whole family can up and leave for a week, and, like, that John and there's other people that can take over um, from Sunday school to the Bible studies to to just day in and day out, there's, there's so much that's done around here by people that are just using their gifts, and I'm incredibly thankful. I mean, the fact that John is out there using his spiritual gift of barbecue, uh, make sure you thank him. Like, I am, I am so grateful for that. Um, but, but Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, that sort of gives me my clue. So as a pastor, as I teach, I understand that if you're here and this is your church and you are a Christian... I believe that the Bible makes it clear that each person has been given a spiritual gift. And so I have a role of somehow helping them cultivate that, use that, employ it, um, which then leads to you guys or all y'alls. Ephesians 2.10, sort of shifting the the attention on each of us, whether this is your church or you're visiting. uh, If you're a Christian, this applies to you. Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in him. This verse falls in a section of about three verses that are beautiful. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, most people know. It says, for you're saved by grace and not by works, essentially, and I'm butchering it. But it says that your salvation is dependent totally and completely on God and his grace and his mercy and what Christ did for you on the cross. You did absolutely nothing to earn your salvation. There is nothing you can do to earn your salvation. If you think that you can work your way to heaven, you have no clue how holy God is and how sinful you are. It is a gap that cannot be bridged by ourselves. And so Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us that God has provided a way so that that gap could be bridged. That in Christ, by faith in him, we're saved. It's beautiful. But then there's this verse 10 that sort of people sort of drop off. They, they forget about it. And it says, for we are his workmanship. This word is poema. It's, it's, it's like that you're God's poetry in motion, that he's created you, he's designed you. Um, like a fingerprint, each one of us are uniquely designed by him. That there are certain things that only you can do within the body of Christ. And he said that you're created beforehand for these good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And so when I read this, I think a huge lesson that I see this is, is if this is your church, we absolutely need you here. We, we need you involved. We need you um, serving as only you can. Uh, if, if there's something in your mind that, you know, I'm really burdened for this, and you approach me, what I'm going to say to you is, I think God's calling you to do that. Let's run with it. But that doesn't mean me doing it. That means like God's obviously doing something in your heart and let's run with this. And as I think about this, as I see you guys weren't here nine years ago, 
you, everybody sort of comes at different times. And as different people come along, that means that things change. It's inevitable. And at the nine-year mark, I, I find that I have to like guard myself of the routine of, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, five years ago, a lot of people weren't here. Now, it's, who's here? So what's God doing with the people that are here going forward? And I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I can't see into the future, but I know that if you're here and this is your church, then my role is to help you kind of seek that out in this group. And, and um, I, you know, maybe it's missionary seating, Dave. Like you can really serve Jesus in these first few rows. I'm going to really work on like not spitting <laughs> just for the next few months. Um, I, I, there's, there's just like there's so many opportunities and it's not necessarily what's happening now. It very well could be things that aren't happening now which sort of moves into the next point. In Ephesians, Ephesians 3.10, the very next chapter, um, Paul writes something really majestic here, like dealing with the beauty of the local church. Uh, As I read um, the pages of the New Testament, it's very clear that the local church is this special um, creation of God and serves a, 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 a special purpose that God desires his believers, his followers, to be in church, to be connected, to be grounded, to, to be investing of your life uh, w- within this, um, th- this, this, this precious creation, the, the local church, the bride of Christ. And there in Ephesians 3.10, he writes, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authority in heavenly places. And so Paul says, you know, through the church, through this, the, the local meeting of, of followers of Christ, as we gather together, as we uh, commune with one another, as we step out and serve and live our lives, the scriptures tells us that this is the agent by which God has chosen to sort of reveal the gospel to the world around us. And as I go about Valley Center, there, like I'm, over the last nine years, if anything, I've, I've gained a deepened, a deeper, a heightened sense of, of burden for our community. You don't have to travel far to, to see that, that we live in Southern California. There's so many other things going on. The idea of church is like, that's, that's so last century. It's not valued. And, and there's a need. And we've been called to this task. And I, I love that as people sort of share this burden as they come up with ideas and equipping. You know, one of the things I want to share that Christina, a few, like, she's like, sorry, I should probably ask you permission. It's not bad. Um, I don't remember what it was, but a few months ago, she's like, you know, Gunnar, I, 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 I see that there's this need by this individual in the community. And I don't know if there's any way that we as a church can meet this need. And I'm like, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I could totally get behind this. And so we sort of, a few people got involved, but it, it didn't end up requiring the whole church coming to a work day. But, but there was this burden for our community. Hey, there's this person in our community that's in need. Can we as a church come and meet this need? And my prayer is that we, each of us, as we're living our lives, as you're at the feed store, as you're at wherever it is in town, as you develop relationships with people, um, realize that if you're a part of the body of Christ, if you're a part of this church, like one of our goals is to share the gospel with those outside of these walls, to be praying for the empty seats. Like really, if everybody in Valley Center went to church, we would need 
uh, a whole lot more churches in Valley Center. I, I think it's like less than, you know, may, I don't even want to give a percentage, but definitely less than 10% of people in Valley Center actually are at church on Sunday. Um, um, but my prayer is that, that we would be intentional and, 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 and seek ways that we as, as a church can figure out how to get involved in our community um, or, or more involved, how we can uh, intentionally uh, like nourish relationships with people, that we have genuine relationships with those outside of the church um, so that we can be a light to them. Um, which sort of leads into the, the last little verse that I'll read is at the very end of Matthew, it's what's known as the Great Commission. Um, Jesus now has been crucified. We'll get to this probably in the, later in the fall. Um, Jesus has been crucified. He's been risen from the dead. He then meets the disciples up in the Sea of Galilee region. And we, we read in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, uh, even to the end of the age. And so when I look at this, this is like the, the, what's referred to as the Great Commission. This is sort of the, the mission statement of, of the Christian church at large. It's, it's not for us to come up with a mission statement as a, you know, as a, like businesses do. That Christ said, this is your commission to go and make disciples. And that means uh, first, like introducing people to Jesus. Um, baptism is a, is a natural next step towards belief, following belief. And then as people are instructed in the word of God, God begins to sort of do a work in their lives, in their hearts. He's gifted each individual believer with some spiritual gift to use to employees I've mentioned before. And then there's this idea of, of the, glo- the global work. I think it begins here at Valley Center um, because this is where God has planted us. In the last few months, there's been a number of, of meetings that we're, like, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how do we, um, how, how do we sort of um, create a, um, a, a team as a church or t- the logistical um, aim of, of doing certain things. We we'd started, we were, had some outreach meetings, and then as we started talking about outreach, we we're like, well, some of the in-reach and reach, reaching to people's needs, there's, there's so much overlap in so many different things and so I, I'm so grateful that, that we're beginning to sort of, not beginning, but really trying to figure out how do we as a church uh, strategically sort of reach out to our community to make an impact and, and to really help those that have de- desires to, to be used in this, this way, to, to actually launch them and to support them and to help them in the areas that God is um, calling them to. Um, finally, with this is, it doesn't take long to be at this church to realize that we, we have a, um, that international missions are something that we care about. From day one, this was very important to me, um, probably because I, I married a missionary kid. And so then the whole idea of, of, of global missions, it, it, it was new to me um, 15 years ago. And so as uh, f- nine years ago when we got here in June, this month is when the Mannings came through. And they were getting ready to go to Mongolia, and they came and they spoke, and there were, there were 20 of us here, and they were the first missionaries that we really adopted. 
Uh, we formerly, like kind of where the Tons were there that have been there, and we've slowly sort of added missionaries. So I, like, I think that we have about six or seven people sort of around the world. And, and really my heart and my desire is that we continue uh, to cultivate the relationship. We're not a mega church. It's not like we're um, uh, you know, a huge church that just fully funds a bunch of different missionaries. Our strength, and from the words of our missionaries, is that, that we're so emotionally connected to them that, that we, when there are um, ups and lows in their life, that, they, they are, um, that we're connected. We understand what they're going through. I'm looking forward to the Mannings being here with us next week. Um, for VBS, I know Joel had a hard time with that. For years, it was VBSS to me, Vessel Boarding, Search, and Seizure. So I'm still like having, like VBS is still very difficult for me to say. So I'm not going to poke fun. But the, um, the guest family, they're, they're in the States on furlough um, from Romania. So they're going to be with us for that whole week. So these are opportunities um, for us to, to reach out and to, to continue to nurture and develop these relationships. I, as I see John Troy here, like I've... Um, you know, it, it's on his heart to, go, like, for, for us, it's kind of been, it, well, I say it's been on my heart to, to sort of to, to send a team to, to Africa to go visit with the Nichols and, um, and uh, uh, Joe and Esther Wagnell. And so, so they're in Tanzania and down south. So I'm trying to figure out how I can launch them. We're sort of, it's sort of been on the back burner. So any of our missionaries, if you have a desire, like, you know what, I want to go to Florence, Italy and, and, and minister to them. Like, they would welcome you. Like, all of our missionaries around the world, they would love to receive you if you want to go, um, like, as an ambassador to the church, just to connect with them, to let them know that we love them, we're praying for them, you getting to know them more. Um, it's all very meaningful. Okay. I, I, I tried to keep it on time. I have, like, pro- I could probably talk for, like, way more. So it's like, how do I present everything? So I'm going to end. I, um, I, I think I want to close... First and foremost, we need to recognize that, that Valley Baptist Church is not my church. It's not your church. It's Jesus' church. This is, this is his church. Um, we, we're a part of, of what he's doing. And ultimately, what we desire here as a church is we desire to worship him. Like, we don't just sing songs because it's fun to sing songs before church. Like, like the idea of, of singing songs is that we're worshiping our Savior. We're singing songs to him as we study the scriptures. Today's a little bit different, but I still think we're like seeking um, what, his, what does he have to say to us in our lives. And so we, we worship him by receiving his word into our lives. Um, ultimately, our desire and our burden uh, for our community exist because they're not worshiping the one true God. And there are, there are eternal consequences for that. Uh, Paul tells us in Corinthians that if Christ didn't rise from the dead, this whole doing church, we should. If He didn't rise from the dead, that we of all people should be most pitied because we're wasting our time. But He doesn't end there. He said Christ rose from the dead, and so we're compelled to go out and to share this life-giving information. Okay, let's close. I know there's barbecue waiting. Father, I do, again, thank you and praise you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your hand that has been upon our church body, Lord, over the years. Father, we pray that you would um, 
that your spirit would be alive in our midst, that we would uh, be sensitive to your voice, that we would um, grow as you desire to grow us. Father, I pray that we would be a group um, that's bonded uh, through Christ in unity and love and grace. Father, that we would be burdened uh, for those uh, outside of our church and our community. Father, we're grateful um, for this life that we have in you. Uh, Father, we thank you for this food that we're about to receive. We pray that you would just bless our time of fellowship with one another. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.